What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This portion of the Hartman Report podcast is brought to you by Phone.com, delivering the highest quality service and most features at the lowest price. You can receive two free months of their base plan, plus 20% off any service for life. Just text my name, Tom, T-H-O-M, to 511-511. Or use the code Tom at phone.com today. Certain restrictions apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, happy fall. It's the autumnal equinox uh, twice a year in March and in September. The day is equally long, going from the shortest day of the year in the winter solstice to the longest day of the year in the summer solstice. We have today the autumnal equinox. A lot of particularly indigenous groups around the world view this as a time as almost a sacred time of transition. And let's hope that that's what we're seeing today. Richard Painter tweeted over the weekend, the United States will go down in human history as a country that impeached a president for lying about a fully consensual affair with an intern, but would not impeach a president who on, in two separate elections, colluded with a foreign power against a political opponent. Pathetic. Adam Schiff points out that there is no privilege. There's no presidential privilege that covers crimes. I mean, this is, of all the things we learned from the Nixon impeachment and resignation, it's that if you're in the White House and you think you've got presidential privilege and that that's going to cover up crimes you've committed, sorry, buddy, it doesn't work that way. So... What I did over the weekend is I, and you can see this on my Twitter feed, is I tweeted the two members of Congress who more or less represent me here in Portland, one Earl Blumenauer, and said, thank you for supporting impeachment. And the other, Kurt Schrader, the guy who is, tragically, he's a Democrat, he's taking money from Koch Brothers affiliated groups, who doesn't support impeachment and said, hey, get with the program. I would encourage you to do the same. And in fact, call your member of Congress. I, you know, I didn't do that over the weekend because their offices are all closed and right now I'm on the air. And I'd love to hear from you what you heard when you called your member of Congress. The telephone number for Congress, and you should write this down and stick it on your refrigerator or something, right? We all have one member of the House of Representatives and two senators, and this phone number will get you to all three of them. 
and if you don't know who your member of the House of Representatives is, just call in and say, you know, my zip code is 92719. Who is my representative? And they'll tell you. And then say, fine, please hook me up with that person. And they'll connect you. So the number for the switchboard in Congress is 202-225-3121. But I think that what we need to be saying to these folks, to our members of Congress, to our representatives, is enough. Enough already. You know, we've, it's time to impeach this guy. It, you know, he admitted, Donald Trump admitted on Sunday that he was leaning on Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. He admitted this. You know, it's like, it's like he admitted that he fired Comey because Comey was looking into his campaign's connections to Russia. That's an impeachable crime. This is an impeachable crime. I mean, what does it take? You also, if you call 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121, not my phone number, that's Congress's phone number. If you call that number, you can also ask for Speaker Pelosi's office. And you can register your concerns with her office, because she not only represents the good citizens of San Francisco, but she represents all of us. Seth Abramson, he's got a, a new book, Proof of Conspiracy. Yeah, Proof of Conspiracy. And it's like, you know, the size of a dictionary. It's huge. And he tweeted out over the weekend, please understand that Trump and Giuliani have been shaking down Ukraine illegally and for Trump impeachably for years. First to get Ukraine to drop its Manafort investigation, then to get it to give new dirt on Clinton, then to get it to give dirt on Biden. It's a crime spree. And I think that that's a, a fairly accurate description of what's going on, that this is, in fact, a crime spree. This is where it gets really fascinating. And I guess raises the question, has Trump succeeded in intimidating, successfully intimidating Ukraine to the point that they're dancing to his tune? Judd Legum over at popular.info. He's got a, a newsletter that goes out every day that you can subscribe to at popular.info. And I subscribe to it. And his one this morning, he, he talks about these websites. Uh, I Love America Facebook page, right? These are all on Facebook. I Love America Facebook page with 1.1 million fans with viral content that reaches more Facebook users than some of the largest media outlets in the United States. Right? A typical post is a celebration of the U.S. military and patriotism. Lots of references to our country and our military. But nobody mentions the fact that this website is actually managed out of Ukraine. Yeah, sure enough. In fact, uh, the, the uh, About section of the I Love America page is registered to Andriy Zuzikov, an online strategist from the Ukrainian city of Odessa according to Judd Legum. And he says, basically, this, this recycles the memes used by the Internet Research Agency, the Russian entity that did this back in 2016. Um, all of these, and, and, and it's not just this one page, not just the I Love America page on Facebook with over a million followers. There's also the God Bless Donald and Melania Trump page. There's the God Bless America page. All of these pages... Judd notes, which were created in the last few months, are managed exclusively by people based out of Ukraine. 
But, he adds, the I Love America page is only the tip of the iceberg. There's a complex network of Facebook pages, all managed by people in Ukraine, that collect large audiences by posting memes about patriotism, Jesus, and cute dogs. These pages are now being used to funnel large audiences to pro-Trump propaganda. They've also joined political Facebook groups and are active on Instagram, which is also owned by Facebook. And by the way, this is what Facebook promised would never happen again. Remember? This is uh, Mark Zuckerberg in 2018. Quote, in 2016, we were not prepared for the coordinated information operations we now regularly face. But we've learned a lot since then and have developed sophisticated systems that combine technology and people to prevent election interference on our services. Right. And, you know, you look at some of these I Love America posts, and there's a picture of a bunch of American veterans in their 60s, I'd guess, you know, gray beards wearing military-style hats, saluting. And across the top, it says, veterans deserve the best. And then on the bottom, it says, illegals deserve nothing. Another one, those who disrespect our flag and everyone handed a folded one. This is on a Ukrainian site. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, this is just incredible. He, he goes through, and all the cute dogs, and all, all this other stuff. You can, you know, as I said, popular.info is the website. But I really think that if Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, I mean, I, I realize that Thursday is probably going to be, in their minds, a decisive day. That's the day when the Director of National Intelligence is supposed to testify before the House Intelligence Committee, before Adam Schiff's committee and tell us exactly what happened, what's going on, and what we can and should do about this, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but increasingly, at least from where I'm sitting, increasingly it's looking like what's really going on here is that the Democratic leadership, which is, you know, principally Nancy Pelosi and, and Steny Hoyer, because, I mean, you used to say that leadership was the heads of all the committees, but you got Jerry Nadler talking about impeachment. He's head of the committee that impeachment would have to start in judiciary. You've got Adam Schiff talking about impeachment. He's the guy who's the head of the Intelligence Committee. I'm not sure that you can just kind of broadly say Democratic leadership. But, you know, nothing's happening without Nancy Pelosi. But she keeps saying and pointing out that, you know, as long as members of Congress, like, you know, my guy, Kurt Schrader, here in southern Portland, as long as these Democrats continue to say, no, no, don't want impeachment, we're going to continue to have problems. So the number for Congress is 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121. And, uh, you know, give them a shout and let us know what they have to say. What are your thoughts? on how best this should be handled. You know, I think the Democrats just need to go into full-blown, this is it, enough already, we're doing an impeachment investigation, and and we're calling it that, and, and let's just get this show on the road. What am I missing? We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I mean, you've even got Republicans calling Donald Trump a traitor, and one of them calling for the death penalty, for God's sake. 
Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me that there was one that was worth sharing, and well, a year later, I have to say she's right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy and she's kept it off. And now my producer, Sean, is trying Riduzone too. Sean says Riduzone is the easiest diet supplement she's ever used. One capsule with breakfast and forget it. No jitters, no hunger stranglehold, no cravings. And best of all, after just a short time on Riduzone, Sean says her favorite genes are a lot more comfortable again. The only ingredient in Riduzone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. That appealed to both Louise and Sean. I'm guessing it will to you too. With Riduzone, Sean says she feels great and doesn't miss her sugar cravings. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Riduzone a try. Use the protocol code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com, R-I-D-U-Zone.com, Riduzone.com. Promo code TOM, Riduzone.com. I'm wondering what's going on here with regard to Ukraine. Ukraine is right now a pro-Western government. Zelensky is the former comedian, we talked about this last Friday, who played the role on TV in a TV kind of sitcom of the president of Ukraine and then ran for president, sort of like Pat Paulson did, if you're old enough to remember that, ran for president and won. And I think that this is the Ukrainian people saying, you know, we are sick and tired of corruption. We're sick and tired of the same old, same old. We're sick and tired of the rope-a-dope here that we've been getting. I think it's why as many people voted for Donald Trump as they did, because they thought he was going to be, you know, a non-politician who was going to change things. I think the same thing with, with Zelensky is the case. And there's all these websites coming out of Ukraine that are just totally pro-Trump. So is it just that they, you know, they got cheap webmasters there and inexpensive web hosting, and, and that's why some you know, Republican oligarch, I don't think it would be the Kochs, but Shelley Adelson or somebody, you know, one of these billionaires who supported Trump last time around, has hired them? Or is this the Ukrainian government? I was listening to NPR this morning, and they were talking about how the Ukrainian foreign minister has now come out and said, oh, yeah, we know all about that phone call, and we didn't feel pressured. Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong, and neither did our president. It's all good. Now, I'm sure that that's being repeated ad nauseum on Fox News and on right-wing hate radio, and it's an important data point. But if there's also literally millions, tens of millions of Americans are receiving information via Facebook from pro-Trump sites and pro-Trump meme factories that are, that are based in Ukraine, then is it that, you know, the horse is already out of the barn? I mean, is it that Trump has already corrupted the president of Ukraine? that he's already threatened him, that the president of Ukraine has figured out, hey, you know, this guy's got at least another year and a half in, in office. The odds of his leaving before that are pretty close to zero. And we need that military assistance, that quarter billion dollars of military assistance that Trump just finally authorized last week after it was noticed that he had been withholding it based on his attempt to get dirt. And, and, and by the way, we need to stop saying get dirt on Joe Biden. This has already been investigated. There is no dirt there. There's no dirt there on Hunter Biden either. 
I mean, you know, uh, taking a job, you know, f as son of the vice president for a company owned by a foreign oligarch, probably stupid. But Joe Biden had nothing to do with this. That's been investigated. Hunter Biden was not saying, hey, dad, change foreign policy. That didn't happen. Jimmy Carter had his brother, Billy, remember? It's like Hillary Clinton had her brother, Hugh Rodham. Having relatives who do stupid things is a completely different thing than being involved in a crime. So we need to stop saying that Trump is trying to get the president of Ukraine to find dirt on Biden. I think what's going on is he's trying to get the president of Ukraine to manufacture dirt on Biden. And I would keep an eye out for the possibility of this happening and of this coming down the road. Manufactured dirt. I mean, anything's possible, but that seems like a very high possibility to me. There's that, and, and the Ukraine is now cranking out I Love America Facebook pages to support Donald Trump. And Nancy Pelosi is saying, well, you know, we don't quite have enough votes. And I'm still, you know, checking in with, you know, Democratic members of Congress. The number to call Congress, 202-225-3121. Still checking in with Democratic members of Congress to say, are you guys ready yet to talk about impeaching this guy? Bill Clinton was impeached. He was not removed from office, but he was impeached for having sex with a consenting adult and lying about it. Now, if that's what the Republicans think is an impeachable offense, what is this? Well, according to William Weld, you know, who wants to primary Trump, it's high treason with the death penalty. I'm not gonna go that far. Judy in Denver. Hey, Judy, what's on your mind today? I have called multiple legislators multiple times and when I get the staff, I cannot get answers to any questions ever. They refuse to, even when they've made a public statement, mm -hmm. I cannot get that public statement. So they usually say, we can't speak for so-and-so. Right. And they're not speaking. They're relaying what that person has said publicly. publicly. So most of them, you have to leave a message. But Nancy Pelosi's direct number is 202-225-4965. All legislators' phone numbers are on the Internet right. in Congress.gov. Right. And, and, um, and by the way, if, if you call 202-225-3121, that gets you the switchboard. And if you say, right. give me Nancy Pelosi, they'll connect you code. to that extension. That's right. You have to have zip codes to get whatever legislator you want. Um, or you can just ask I've, for I Yeah, or the name. Um, I have supported Democrats for more than 50 years. I'm done. They, have, they support Donald. They support what Donald is doing with Venezuela and Iran. And I am no longer going to support these now Republicans, as I see it, that are not progressive. The party is not being progressive. They are working tirelessly to keep pro progressives out. And I will no longer vote for any Democrat. And Judy, I have voted for Democrats for more than 50 years. Judy, the party did make a turn to the right in 1992 when Bill Clinton decided to embrace Reaganism and neoliberalism. 
and just kind of get along and go along. And Barack Obama did the, largely the same thing while he was president. All that said, though, and therefore you get all this complicity basically going on in the Democratic Party. But that said, that was 70 percent of the Democratic Party in the 90s, maybe even 80 percent of the Democratic Party in the 2000 during the early years of the Obama presidency. But I think that's more like half the party now and a dwindling half. And the Democratic Party is rapidly becoming once again a progressive party. It's reaching back to its great society roots of things like Medicare and, and Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act. It's reaching back to its to its New Deal roots for, for things like increasing the minimum wage and strengthening union protections. I see the Democratic Party as moving in a very, very positive direction and therefore now is not the time to leave the party or say, you know, to hell with all of it. Now is the time to pick out those pieces of the party that you want to see grow. They have been saying all these things, and yet their actions, if you pay attention to their actions, they are not... Uh, yeah, uh, okay, Judy, there, there still could have been another 10 or 15 seconds there if you wanted to finish your thought, I get it. But you heard the music. Yeah, I think she just said forget it. I don't think that it was anything obscene. David Leonhardt has a great piece in today's New York Times that basically just recaps what Donald Trump has done that is worthy of impeachment. And he says sometimes it's worth stepping back to look at the full picture. And then he just goes through the list. Trump pressured a foreign leader to interfere in this coming up election, the president of Ukraine. He divulged classified information to foreign officials. He publicly undermined American intelligence agents while standing next to Putin in Helsinki. He encouraged foreign leaders to enrich him and his family by staying at his hotels. He genuflexed to murderous dictators. He's alienated America's closest allies. He lied to the American people throughout the primaries and throughout the general election about his company's business dealings in Russia. He tells new lies virtually every day about the economy, about voter fraud, even about the weather. He spends hours and hours and hours watching TV. I reread, by the way, over the weekend, I reread the, the uh, Office of Legal Counsel memo. I read the 2000 version, the one that was done by the Clinton White House, that recaps the 1973 version, or maybe it was 74, from the Nixon White House about why a president can't be charged with a crime while he's in office. And, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating stuff. But the main argument that they make is that the president is so busy and his job is so momentous and he has such great responsibilities that you can't distract him from that office, that he's the only officer in the entire U.S. government for which the Constitution provides a stand-in in the form of the vice president, and that that's proof that, that what the president does is so incredibly essential that you cannot, uh, you, you can't even you know, charge him with a crime while he's in office because he can't be distracted. Well, how does that apply to Donald Trump? who watches TV all day long and rage tweets it and then goes to his golf courses where he was again this weekend. The list continues. I'll be going through it and back to it as we continue through the through the program today. But let's pick up your phone calls. Rick in Lexington, Kentucky. Hey, Rick, what's up? Thanks for taking my call, Mr. Hartman. Sure. I want you to know that I'm a veteran and my wife is a veteran. And the reason I bring that up is because at one point in time in my life, I would have given my life for this country. And 
my frustration and anxiety has gotten so bad lately watching cable news and just paying attention to what's going on that it's starting to get to me and I had to back up a little bit. So my question to you is you earlier on your show, you said you gave a number. Uh, first of all, to, to, to con contact Congress and then you asked a question about why are the Democrats dragging their feet on impeachment? Right. And my answer to you is, and you know it and I know it, it's because they're not trying to hurt white people's feelings. That's the reason. They're trying to walk the middle of the line so they don't offend the element of white society that I call Confederates. Well, Bill Clinton was a white person. He got impeached. I don't see what race okay. has to do with it. I, you know, if, if this was Obama, I would understand. Let me, let me make my point. Okay, go Let ahead. me make my go point. For it. Go for okay, it. If, okay if, if Bill Clinton got impeached for a sex act and what's going on with Donald Trump right now, they won't start a impeachment is because, like I said, there's an element in white society. Yeah, I, I would say that, Rick, this goes beyond white privilege all the way to wealth privilege. I mean, you know, Donald Trump is being backed by billionaires. The Republican Party is being backed and is owned by billionaires. And they're all what standing is, the, shoulder to shoulder with what, him right now. What is his support in the Republican Party right now? 85 percent? 90? For Trump, yeah. Yeah, but the Republican okay. Party has shrunk down from from, you know, 40 percent of the electorate to something like 28 percent of the electorate. And it's almost entirely white and mostly male. Mr. Harbin, do you do you understand how it truly feels to be a minority in this country? No, I don't understand that bigotry, racism, lying, sexism doesn't count in the white community the way minorities would look at it and say, hey, if, if, if you can't get offended for that, if you can if you can turn your head and support this guy and forget about that. Yeah. What does that say? What does that yeah, say no, about I, our country? I, I get it, Rick. I, I absolutely get it. I, and, and no, I, can, I haven't had that experience in my life. And so I can't say that I completely understand. But I certainly can intellectually understand. And I understand your point of view. And, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, I'd say that this is privilege on parade. Rick, I need to move along. But thank you for the call. Bob in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Bob, what's up? We need to get rid of not just Trump, but his cabinet, Matthew Barr, the IRS director, all, yeah, and see, the benefit of impeachment would be to take down this whole group of liars and thieves. Well, yes and no. I mean, if you impeach Donald Trump, you still have Bill Barr, and then, and then you have Mike Pence as president. You know, but you can take him down next. Well, you, you well, then you take them down at the at the at the ballot box, and 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 even if there's no conviction in the Senate, and even if Donald Trump is not removed from office, there needs to be a statement by the U.S. House of Representatives that this is not acceptable. This is not normal. This is not acceptable. There's Democrats who are talking about doing a censure resolution right now. This is something that the House could do that doesn't require follow-up from the Senate. Um, that you know puts us on record as saying you know okay this is terrible all that kind of stuff um, that's fine you know and I'm I'm supportive of a censure resolution but I think that there also needs to be an impeachment resolution Bob thanks for the call Will in Salem Oregon hey Will what's up hi hi Tom how are you I did call my lovely representative Mr Schrader <laughs> I live in Salem uh -huh. I call him a lot I call him a lot and to say the least 
what they he's say? A, the office worker in, in Washington, the, and it's this woman who's very nice. She said, I, um, I told him, I'm, you know, I want support, uh, uh, Kurtz Wright to support impeachment, and if he doesn't, I'm not going to vote for him. I mean, it's as simple as that. I'm not going to vote for him anyway. But, uh, um, well, that's not, that's not in the primary. They're probably figuring that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to vote for Mark Gamba, but yeah. but anyway, um, so you know, she was very nice and took the message. I, I the bottom line with Kurt Schrader is, I mean, I'm sure you well, you know, you talk about him a lot. But fortunately, he, he is literally one of the most toxic so-called Democrats in the country. I mean, he, he takes money directly from the Koch brothers, and I mean, he's he, just look him up, you know, on votesmart.org. He's he's so corrupt. He he should be a Republican. But anyway, I tried and. I did my best. I guess I don't know. How and they said that we'll, we'll take your, your opinion under advisement, basically. Well, yeah, and they're going to send me. Um, they said they'll send me an email. To, I, I've, yeah. I've called Kurt Schrader's office many times. I, I, ha, I rare, usually he does not respond in emails. That, that's yeah. what I found. That that has been right my well, we, but to, today is the day. I think that we we need to overwhelmingly message members of the U.S. House of Representatives that it doesn't matter what the Senate does. It doesn't matter what Mitch McConnell does. We need to have it on the record that this kind of behavior from a president of the United States is absolutely unacceptable. It just has to be that and that straightforward. Will, thanks for the call. Lynn in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Lynn, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm calling to let you know what happened when I called Nancy Pelosi's office this yeah. morning. what happened? Well, it was busy. Mm. <laughs> the line was busy, which tells me something right there. But right. I was able to le to leave a message, and I left a message that they need to begin impeachment immediately because the damage is just is piling up. Yeah. So you got voicemail is the bottom line, right? Yes. Yeah. I did. Well, good on you for trying. And you know, every little <laughs> bit of, every little bit of voicemail helps. Lynn, thank you for the call. Joseph in Manhattan Beach, California. Joseph. This is one thing I haven't heard reported yet, and I find it very telling. Mueller spoke July 24th. The call was made July 25th. That has been reported. What's not been reported is that Dan Coates was fired July 28th. Are you right. aware of that? Yes, I am. In fact, we talked about this last week. It's one of the one of the things that makes oh. me think that Dan Coates is the whistleblower, because a couple of days later, he, he walks into a meeting and says to his assistant, Sue Gordon, you have to resign right now. She's in the middle of a meeting and he grabs her and says, you've got to walk out of this meeting and go resign. And she does. And I think that's because he just filed a whistleblower complaint and he probably cited her in it. Right. That's exactly what went on. There's nothing else makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. I and, didn't and know that it had been aired. Let more people hear that. I'm not hearing it on television, and I don't get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joseph. But, uh, you know, and Dan Coates was a two-term senator, Republican senator from Indiana. I mean, he's, you know, this guy's got, you know, in terms of GOP credentials, it doesn't get any better than that. And, in fact, he won election not consecutively. There was somebody else in between two of his elections. So, I mean, he even did a, made a comeback in Indiana as a Republican senator. So the guy's got some serious cred within the Republican circles. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. That said, we don't know if he's the whistleblower or not. We'll find out, I'm sure. Well, now they're even doing specials about CBD on TV. 
Louise and I recently discussed the powerful health benefits of CBD oils and have been using New Leaf Natural CBD oil and love it. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it great for people looking for the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. It's non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-Leafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Robbie in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Robbie, what's on your mind? First off, I see 2016 happening all over again, but I'm not concerned about Ukraine. I'm concerned about the DNC stopping what the basic uh, people want. If you look at what's going on here, we have to admit that Joe Biden does have a lot of problems with him. You should be thankful that Trump's actually trying to get him out of the DNC race. Hearing you uh, defend Joe Biden is completely uh, disrespectful to black people, Tom. And if Robbie, I am, can't recognize that. Stop, for, stop it for a second. What I said is that there's no evidence that Joe Biden was involved with whatever corrupt activity his son was involved in if he was involved with corrupt activity. And his son was taking 50,000 bucks a month from this uh, Ukrainian gas company. I think that that's unseemly at the very least, which is what I said. And you know, Robbie, I, I think that if Joe Biden is our nominee, we're gonna see a repeat of 2016. I absolutely believe that okay, to be the case. Okay, hang on, let me finish my point, Tom. Okay, I need to remind your listeners, people think that it was okay that Obama was a president. I was an activist with Black Lives Matter. I was, at, uh, was an activist with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Occupy Wall Street, all that happened under Obama. What Joan is talking about is the failure of the DNC to deliver. You know what? I agree. We can't I, trust them, Tom. I'm and agreeing with you, Robbie. Sure. That's why I'm, that's why I'm okay. saying we have to take them over. So... You well, either take the them over or you walk away. I mean, either you go off and, and become a, a yogi and, and, and stare at your navel all day, or you get involved. Just voting is not enough, and refusing to vote is not enough. not change the system because we've been let down, Tom. They rigged an election. A lot of people don't realize this, but the Democrats rigged an election in 2016, which is why Donald Trump is in office. I get so what happened in California, I, you know, and I, and I agree with you, California. Robbie. That it, it was Arizona. It was New York. Look, yeah. and what about the media? The media has been biased for it, too. So, so Robbie, what are you going to do about it? Vote to change it? We're going to vote for Bernie Sanders. What are you going to do, Tom? Well, are you going to vote the for Bernie Sanders if he's not running for president? That is out there. The only candidate that's going to do change that we can see. So if Tom, Bernie does not me, win I, the Democratic nomination, you're going to vote. You're going to write his name in. Is that what you're saying, Robbie? And you think that's going to change? I'm going to vote for him in the primary. I'm oh, well, of course. You know, Tom, yeah. Hold on, hold on, Tom. Check this out. If you ask me if I could use the system, if we can vote to change the system, I'm going to say, look at Bernie Sanders. Look at 2016. What happened there? You can't use the system to change the system. And I'm going to be ready with Joan to actually do something about it, where you're going to keep trying to You're going to stop voting, in other words? Joe Biden, who is, if you're going to convince us to vote for Joe Biden, who's the most racist candidate on the Democratic thing. I'm not trying to convince you to vote for Joe Biden, Robbie. But what I am saying is... Hearing you... Robbie, the... The simple fact of the matter is that we can either ignore what's going on, which just sounds like what you're talking about, 
or we can get ourselves involved in what's going on. This isn't, you know, just voting or not voting is nowhere near enough to solve the problems that we have. In fact, that's arguably why we have the problems we have. So let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's up in the world today. On the line with us is uh, Bob Nay with Talk Media News. Hey, Bob, what's going on? Well, hello, Tom. Well, there's so much going on. I don't want to miss the beginning of this story for Wednesday, and that's why I just wanted to mention it first. And anything else, you know, want to go into Ukraine or anything, we can. But I wanted to mention that uh, on this Wednesday coming up will be the first hearing on Speaker Pelosi's bill, and that would be the uh, drug pricing bill. And I think at some point in time, because people have said, well, you know, the Senate's not going to do anything. I don't think that's the case. I think that the Speaker's bill is going to have some traction. I think it's, frankly, an election year issue on the pricing of big pharma and uh, what happens with the pharmaceutical industry, Tom, that there actually is going to be some, some juice and power to this bill, depending on how the Democratic side handles it in the House. Bob, what's your sense of where Congress is at with regard to impeachment, and how might that change if on Thursday the Director of National Intelligence uh, doesn't show up or does show up and pulls a, uh, a more polite version of Corey Lewandowski? Uh, well, you know, uh, I don't think I, I don't think he'll be able to pull off the Lewandowski version himself, but I would say that. Uh, the issue at hand is, let's separate here, well, you know, they're going after Donald Trump's children or they're going after Joe Biden's son. Let's separate that out. And let's look at the fact of a whistleblower uh, that has come forth and that has not been released, which, number one, is, is a big deal. And uh, I think Congressman Schiff uh, said it most correctly that he would be changing his opinion on impeachment depending on what the president, our president, said to the uh, president of the Ukraine. I think that's the big deal. And if something was said in the sense of a exchange of a quid pro quo, that then, Tom, will launch this into a brand new sphere that we have not seen when it comes to talking about impeaching the president of the United States. I don't know if you saw uh, Judd Legum's uh, website, popular.info, this morning, but right now there are a series of Facebook groups that have millions of followers. They have a wider reach than the New York Times in terms of, of Facebook, and they're all pro-Trump, and they're all being run out of Ukraine right now. What does that tell you? Well, yes, that. And, uh, for example, there's also a group that's been initiated by the State Department but then goes out of their hands, Tom, in which they are trolling uh, Javed Zarif, the foreign minister. They admit they're doing this. The foreign minister uh, of Iran, they're trolling him. And, uh, again, some of that is coming from overseas. It's State Department announced, but yet it has the fingers of overseas. And anything like this with the Ukraine, you know, it just goes into – a question of was anything exchanged by the president of the United States uh, to get uh, something done to a candidate, which is all shades of foreign intervention once again. I mean, let's say, Tom, that we find out that the president made a statement that, oh, you know, hey, Joe Biden's corrupt or, you know, something, or he was corrupt in your country. To even begin to raise that, why on earth would he, he's admitted Well, he admitted that, that on Sunday. Why? Yeah, Why? he admitted that on Sunday. Well, my question is, what's it yeah. going to take to get your former colleagues, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, or for that matter, your former colleagues, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, or at least, right. you know, the, right. the minority of them right. who are still, you know, uh, saying, no, uh, you know, we don't need no stinking impeachment. 
uh, to get them to to at least consider impeachment. Well, and here, well, here's and here's the problem on the Democratic side too. I think when you look at the entire issue, impeachment is a process. It's not an event. It is a process. When Bill Clinton was being impeached, it wasn't announced, well, that day, well, he's going to be impeached, and by the way, the Senate's going to convict him. It was an entire process that went its path that, frankly, could have went in either direction with the Senate, because you don't know. The biggest thing I hear from uh, Democratic, you know, operatives who I call and we talk about, you know, as we do with Republicans about the news issues, biggest deal I hear is, well, the Senate won't do anything. Well, how does one know that? Well, and beyond that, don't you want to get this stuff on the record for posterity and and for the present? That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that Schiff, uh, when you see Congressman Schiff saying what he is saying, you know, he's also with the Intel Committee. Maybe he knows something because, again, what will take this all? This will be a different world, Tom. It will go all off center if, in fact, the president engaged in conversations in any which way uh, with a, a foreign leader about assisting him or doing the wink and nod. Hey, you know, we can talk about foreign aid or hey, if any of that occurred, and if they can get that information, obviously. The whistleblower felt something was wrong, and they can get that information. That will take this to a brand new argument that we haven't seen, uh, frankly, since uh, the Mueller investigation. Yeah, yeah, remarkable. Brand new argument. Yep. Okay, Bob. What else is up? Uh, it's going to be a big deal. The president's uh, going to dominate a lot of the conversation with uh, with Iran. Iran put forth a proposal that would include Saudi Arabia and United uh, Arab Emirates. Of course, you won't see that as a, uh, some type of agreement coming from the other side because Saudi Arabia and Israel want uh, Iran excluded from any type of agreement. This is a big deal in the White House because it's, it's a big push of half the staff telling the president to, to downplay this, and then the other half under the leadership of Secretary Pompeo saying, go get him, Mr. President. So it's yeah. going to be he's got something a, He's to got watch. a similar dynamic with regard to guns, too, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Bob Nay with yeah. Talk Media News. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tom. Great talking with you. On the line with us is Seth Abramson. He is the uh, former criminal defense attorney, professor at the University of New Hampshire, UNH, the author of 11 books, his most recent, Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. This is a follow-up to his previous book, Proof of Collusion. His website is sethabramson.net, and you can tweet him at Seth Abramson. Seth, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, before we dig, do a deep dive into the book, I'm wondering if you could comment on the news of the day. Uh, Donald Trump just a few hours ago said, well, if hypothetically uh, a president was to withhold, I'm paraphrasing here, a president was to withhold foreign aid or military aid to an ally because he wanted them to root out corruption, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, this following on the heels of yesterday his saying that, well, yeah, I did discuss Joe Biden with the president of Ukraine. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, I think we've seen this pattern before. There's an initial denial or refusal to discuss an allegation. And then over time, that denial becomes weaker and weaker until eventually we get what I think most Americans, including most Trump supporters, believe we'll get, which is an admission that this happened exactly as The New York Times the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and others have reported. But what I would say, Tom, is that people have to remember that this Ukraine issue is really a saga. Uh, starting in early you know, 2017, 
Donald Trump was using his aides, his allies, and his associates to try to get additional information from the Ukrainian government at that point. This is the prior Ukrainian government that was replaced in 2019 to get information about Hillary Clinton. And then also he was pressuring Ukraine to drop the Paul Manafort investigation. And of course, even prior to the election, there was the use of pro-Russian Ukrainians to try to negotiate sanctions relief with Russia. So really, this Biden story is the fourth time that we have either the Trump campaign or the Trump administration secretly dealing with Ukrainians to try to push U.S. foreign policy in exchange for getting dirt on a Trump rival. So this is really nothing new. So uh, two data points. I, I don't know if you caught Judd Legum's uh, piece this morning at uh, popular.info or his newsletter. Uh, there is a website uh, or a series of them, actually, Facebook sites. One of them has over a million uh, members that has a larger reach than, than m many of our you know, mainstream media outlets in New York Times and whatnot, um, that, that is reaching literally millions of Americans every single day uh, that is all pro-Trump all the time and is being administered out of Ukraine. And then uh, this morning, NPR was reporting that the Ukrainian foreign minister uh, has said that he was familiar with that phone call and that Ukraine did not feel pressured and uh, there's no there there. Has Trump already compromised the government of Ukraine or is there no there there? Well, I think we have to remember that not only was the issue in the clandestine negotiations apparently between Rudy Giuliani and uh, agents of the Ukrainian president, the matter of Joe Biden and the matter of the $250 million in military aid. But we recently learned that there was an additional $140 uh, million in aid that was added to the package for no reason that has been explained to the American people. And it's not clear whether that was added in an effort to get the Ukrainians to essentially say there's no there there, which is, of course, what they're saying right now. But again, what I think people have to remember is that this is an ongoing saga between Trump and Ukraine. It's not that the Ukrainian government, either the last one or the current one, is any great fan of Vladimir Putin or even necessarily any great fan of Donald Trump. It's that they know that they need American military assistance in order to hold off the Russians on their eastern borders. We have to remember that Vladimir Putin invaded Eastern Europe. He annexed part of Ukraine. Ukraine is currently under threat from the Russians. And Donald Trump is playing these games and putting the Ukrainians in really an untenable position. Yeah. So Ukraine, here's, here's a, you know, a, a small country, uh, you know, p power wise, population wise. I mean, geographically, they're fairly large, but um, that that, you know, finds themselves between you know, after having having been invaded in part by by Russia, not in part by Russia, but part of Ukraine invaded and taken over, as you as you correctly point out, Crimea by Russia. And now, on the other hand, um, I'm guessing they're thinking, OK, if we abandon the United States and just reach out to the EU, for example, um, you know, the EU is going to back away from that or at least some some of the NATO countries because they don't want to get you know, too much in, in Putin's face by having another country go NATO right on right on the border with Russia. I mean, it, this has got to be a very, very difficult political calculation for for the, the new president of Ukraine, who, you know, prior to this, his experience being, you know, in politics was playing the role of president in a sitcom on TV for was it six years, as I recall. 
Well, and also, Tom, we have to keep in mind that the EU is in crisis itself because of Brexit. So it's not necessarily in a position to offer the same sort of assistance that it usually might. So uh, Donald Trump really has Ukraine in a position where he can get what he wants from them. He can withhold funds that Congress has appropriated. He can choose, as we've seen, to add additional funds to the military assistance to Ukraine following the annexation by Russia. And what he's asking about, of course, I think it's important to underscore this, not that we should dwell on it too much, is nonsense. Uh, This was a prosecutor in Ukraine who Joe Biden wanted removed, but so did most Western nations. So did almost everyone who was looking at the activities of this particular prosecutor. He was considered to be corrupt. There was a broad push in the West to get him removed so that corruption could be investigated in Ukraine, including, by the way, the Paul Manafort investigation, which was a corruption investigation that Donald Trump strongly opposed. And he tried to get terminated. So when he says that he cares about Ukraine and corruption, in fact, he's fought Ukraine's attempts to fight corruption. And in fact, Joe Biden got and or assisted, among many others, in getting this Ukrainian prosecutor fired, who the entire West wanted fired, because he was not effectively investigating corruption in Ukraine. Yeah. So we're talking with Seth Abramson, uh, the former criminal defense attorney, professor at uh, UNH, uh, author of 11 books, his most recent proof of conspiracy. Um, Seth, to your book, um, I, you know, I, we just we just got it a day or so ago and I haven't had an opportunity to really dig into it the way I'd like to. Um, I'm assuming conspiracy, the, the conspiracy of its title is the conspiracy between the or the attempted conspiracy between the Trump campaign and and the and the government of Russia, or at least the oligarchs uh, in Russia and some of the former Soviet republics. Actually, no, the conspiracy referred to in the title of the book, Proof of Conspiracy, is the 2015 originated geopolitical conspiracy between four countries initially, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Uh, Egypt and Bahrain, which was expanded to include Russia and Israel in 2016 to illegally assist Donald Trump in uh, receiving election in November of 2016. The way that I would summarize it, Tom, is that Russia, of course, was afraid of a Clinton presidency because they were afraid that there would be a continuation of the Obama sanctions regime, whereas Donald Trump was promising that that regime would be eliminated. But you had countries in the Middle East many of whom were in regular contact with the Kremlin on geopolitical issues in 2014 and 2016, and in some cases financially tied to the Kremlin in 2014 and 2015, particularly the UAE, whose apprehension was likewise that there would be a Clinton presidency because they feared that Clinton would maintain the Iran nuclear deal. What they wanted was for Donald Trump to remove the United States from the Iran nuclear deal, rip it up, and instead move forward with a joint U.S.-Russia plan to build nuclear reactors across the Middle East, leading to eventually nuclear weapons in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Egypt. So these countries worked together and worked with the Israelis and the Russians to ensure that Donald Trump would be elected because they apprehended a Clinton presidency just as much as the Russians did. So I think most Americans who even have a passing familiarity with Bob Mueller's report uh, you know, get that, you know, a lot of activity was directed out of Russia uh, to support Donald Trump. Uh, you know, uh, Russia was uh, poking into election systems. You know, there, there were Russians operating out of St. Petersburg, the uh, uh, Internet in, uh, Research Agency, uh, you know, doing all these posts on Facebook and whatnot. How did Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Israel and, and uh, Bahrain, uh, how did these other countries interfere in our election? 
let me say first, because some people might be wondering who've read the Mueller report, particularly volume one, which is what we're talking about here. They might wonder why is there virtually no reference to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Israel, Egypt, Bahrain. And the answer is that on page 10 of volume one, Robert Mueller says that all counterintelligence information was removed from the Mueller report and instead was referred to the FBI Counterintelligence Division. So essentially, for practical purposes, that means that any information that was not directly related to the U.S.-Russia relationship, so information about Saudi Arabia, UAE, Israel, Bahrain, and Egypt, deliberately was kept out of the Mueller report so that the FBI Counterintelligence Division could analyze it and presumably eventually give a briefing to Congress. And that's why people who have read volume one would not know about a lot of the information that's in proof of conspiracy. But the short version, Tom, the answer to your question is that these countries worked together in an effort that dovetailed with the Kremlin's effort. There was a wide scale disinformation effort conducted by individuals connected to the Israeli government, funded by the Saudi and Emirati governments with the knowledge of at least Donald Trump Jr., as the result of a meeting that an Israeli representative, a Saudi representative, and an Emirati representative had with Donald Trump Jr. in Trump Tower in August of 2016, a more significant and important meeting than the June 2016 meeting that we've talked about so much. This, like the June 2016 meeting, was reported by the New York Times. So we know the meeting happened. We know the offer of illegal election assistance was made. We know that Donald Trump Jr. Uh, responded approvingly. And we also have, and this is discussed in Proof of Conspiracy, a confession by the Israeli business intelligence agent who conducted the disinformation campaign with the knowledge of the Trump campaign and was funded by and acknowledged he was funded by the Saudis and the Emiratis. And George Nader, of course, is the critical witness here who acted as a Saudi and Emirati agent during the 2016 campaign. And we learned from the Mueller report was also a Trump campaign advisor. Wow. So we're going to hit a break here in just a second. Seth, can you stick around for a little bit? Sure. We can we can dig into this a little bit deeper because I, I, I want to get into why is this story not more widely known? Is it simply because it's complex or that it's been buried deeply or there's this, oh, we already know that kind of stuff? And frankly, what can we do about it? It looks like uh, Bibi Netanyahu might be losing power, but that's certainly not the case with any of the leaders of any of these other countries. And we're not even sure that Bibi is going to be bounced out. So Seth Abramson is with us. His new book, Proof of Conspiracy. I've got an important message for all my listeners. Economists will tell you that rising gold prices are an indicator of a failing currency. Well, gold is already up over 10% just since January and up over 33% in the last three years. What is all this really telling us? Well, the last crash was just a warning. It's only been papered over with trillions of dollars in new debt and statistically the next crash is already overdue. This reality has pushed the demand for precious metals to price levels not seen in nearly six years. The time to buy gold is now, before the crash and before the next price increase. The big questions everyone asks are, who can I trust and what types of gold do I buy? Call my friends at ITM Trading at one 888 gold The proper gold and silver strategy will help secure all your major assets, including your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one 888 gold Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. 1-888-O-N-G-O-L-D. So, Seth, why is it that you wrote a, 
what is it, you know, 500, almost a 600-page book here laying all this stuff out. Why is this not more widely known? So, Tom, the simple answer is that Russia is a hostile foreign power, and that is why it was appropriate for Russia to be the subject of volume one of the Mueller report, which was going to be released uh, publicly in its general substance. Obviously, there were a lot of redactions, but significant substance of volume one was going to be released to the American public. The problem and the reason that the FBI counterintelligence division had to take the lead with all this other information that's discussed in proof of conspiracy is that that's a geopolitical conspiracy between a number of our allies, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Israel, Bahrain and Egypt. It's an incredibly sensitive topic. But also, I would note this. It's a topic in terms of the volume and complexity of the facts that fall under its general heading, it is possibly 500% larger in size than what's contained in the Mueller report. The Mueller report would have had to take an additional two or three years to be completed. It probably would have been one or 2,000 pages longer if it had included the entirety of the geopolitical conspiracy that Russia was connected to. And let's be very clear, what's in the Mueller report is very much connected to this larger story, but it is only a small piece of a story that involves six countries, not just one. So those are two of the major reasons that Americans would not have heard much about this yet and still won't hear about it, given that Adam Schiff just got his first briefing from the FBI counterintelligence division a few weeks ago, unless and until people read proof of conspiracy and unless and until the House Intelligence Committee is able to get more briefings from the FBI and critically release some of this information to the American public, because this is very much part of the story of how Donald Trump got elected in 2016. So, Seth, if 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 I'm understanding your your argument, the, the through line through all of this is that um, Russia's interest in this was getting sanctions relieved. Uh, the interests uh, specifically of Saudi Arabia and Egypt was that they wanted to get nuclear weapons. Um, why would Israel go along with arming with nukes Saudi Arabia and Egypt? Very good question. And of course, all I've told you so far is what one half of the agreement was. The question, of course, is what was Donald Trump going to get in return? What were these countries going to get in return in exchange for dropping sanctions on Russia, in exchange for engaging in a massive joint effort with the Russians to build nuclear reactors in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and the UAE? And the answer is that in exchange, the Russians would withdraw much of their support for Iranian proxies in Syria and much of their support generally for Iran, thereby enabling a new coalition that would be pro-Israel and pro-United States in the Sunni Arab world to arise that would eventually make war on Iran. That was the long-term goal. Bibi Netanyahu publicly said, this was reported internationally, that the goal that he had and the goal he was developing with his allies, and that included Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, was to, quote-unquote, make war on Iran. And so Israel has gotten to a point, a detente, if you will, with the Saudis and the Emiratis, where they believe that they can fight alongside them in a war against Iran, provided that the United States helps and Russia pulls back. Remarkable. Can you stick around another, in just a couple more minutes? Sure. Great. We'll be right back with Seth, Seth Abramson, his new book, Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy.
We're talking with Seth Abramson. His new book, Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. Just to recap real quickly, Seth, there was a conspiracy essentially between uh, Russia, Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. Am I missing somebody there? No, that's correct. Okay. Those six countries. Between, between those countries uh, and the Trump campaign to get the sanctions lifted in, in order to get Donald Trump elected so that the outcome could be that the sanctions on Russia would be lifted. Russia would then participate with the Sunni Arab world in creating a pro-Israel, pro-Russia, pro-America kind of triumvirate or, or whatever, a new international alignment. And out of that, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and uh, Egypt would all get nuclear reactors and thus ultimately nuclear weapons because now we're all on the same side. Um, and, and all of this hinged on getting Donald Trump into the White House. Is that an accurate recap, super fast recap? It, it is, but I want to add, Tom, that there's some other major stories that dovetail with this. People don't realize that Israel has been selling cyber hacking and cyber spying technology to the Saudis and the Emiratis for several years, that the Emiratis since 2014 have been involved in a multi, multi-billion dollar joint investment program with the Kremlin, that Trump-Russia advisor George Nader went to the Kremlin numerous times prior to the election while he was also advising the UAE and Saudi Arabia. And these countries have all sorts of connections that are documented. Benjamin Netanyahu had secret meetings with the Emiratis about the Iran issue during the 2016 election process. During the uh, transition period, the Trump transition team was meeting with Saudi intelligence, meeting with the Emiratis to discuss economic sabotage and espionage against Iran. There are so many facets to this that yeah, have been reported by major media, and that's why Proof of Conspiracy is such a big book. Yeah, and and uh, and and highly recommended, uh, Seth. I, I have only a half a minute before we hit a break here at the bottom of the hour that I can't get around. Um, what can we do about this? I think what needs to happen is that the FBI Counterintelligence Division needs to not make the mistake that. U.S. intelligence made around the time of 9-11. They need to be forthcoming. They need to share information with other agencies, share information with the House and Senate intelligence committees. And then those committees need to do all they can to hold as many open hearings as they can and give Americans as much information prior to the 2020 election, hopefully prior to 2020, about what happened and what's in this massive FBI counterintelligence stock of information that they have. Real quickly, does Adam Schiff know what's in your book? He knows a significant portion of it, and I think he'd like to know even more. Yeah, okay. Well, I hope he reads it. Seth Abramson, the new book, Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. Seth, thanks for writing the book, and thanks for dropping by today. Thanks for having me, Tom. My pleasure. Good talking with you. I hope it goes far and wide. Jay in Nap Naperville, Illinois. Hey, Jay, what's up? I mean, it's a great show. I listen all the time. Today's a fantastic show little self-disclosure. I am not a true blue guy. I have voted Democrat. I have voted Republican. I have voted independent. Okay. I will be voting blue no matter who this time because of you know who in the White House. Got it. I think it's, I think it's uh, a fundamental miscalculation not to impeach this person. I think that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are not taking into account human uh, nature. And that is who the American people are. The American people like someone like Donald Trump, big and bold and, quite frankly, completely full of it. I mean, you have to take action. 
if we are seen, if the Democrats are seen as this all-talk, no-action party, somewhere deep down, the American people do not respect that. The Republicans went after Barack Obama on Obamacare and death panels, and he's trying to kill us. And, and then, you know, they went after Hillary with Benghazi and her emails and, you know, and everything else. And, and they did not suffer from, from that. You know, it, 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 and, so, and frankly, some of it stuck, even, even if it was, you know, we could debate the legitimacy of it. You know, I'm, I, I don't know your position, but I think virtually all of it was illegitimate. But here we have stuff that is clearly legitimate, and I see absolutely no political downside side to holding Donald Trump accountable for the things that you can actually document he's done. I mean, he's now admitted that, you know, he's, he's basically, you know, using $400 million in foreign aid to, to try to try to get the president of a foreign country to manufacture evidence against, against his political opponent. It is just I agree. Wrong. I agree 100%. Tom, you have to bully the bully. Yeah. You have to get somebody out there to rhetorically punch him in the mouth over and over and over again. Amen. You can't. Amen. The American people respond gutturally. They want to see somebody with gumption go out there and take action, do something. Yeah. yeah as long I'm, as it's all, as long as it's all just talk, man. It's just, it's just noise. It's in and out with every every day's news cycle. Yep, I'm with you. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It does require all of us. That includes you. So get out there and get active. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.